0: I want to uh, I want to start this morning in in Isaiah six. And I, Isaiah six starts with with a very simple little phrase, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, normally, if I was starting a story, I'd go, you know, the other day I was over at you know Ross's house, and so it kind of makes sense to start a story with putting a bit of context in it. But this phrase is actually a little bit more significant than just this is when it happened. Because King Uzziah, we find out in uh, Second Chronicles, was a man who followed after God. He started being king at the age of 16, and he was king for 52 years. It wasn't all roses, though, because while King Uzziah followed God, over time he, he built up a fantastic army, and he conquered people, and and he had favour on him. It was pretty clear that, that things were going his way. But it went to his head. And he decided that he'd go into the temple and offer the incense himself. And 80 priests followed him into the temple and said, King Uzziah, don't do it. We've been, we've been anointed and set apart for this. This is not your role. Don't go and do that. And he went off his nut. He, he told them where to go. And he said, I'm going to do it. I'm the, I'm the top guy here. Don't tell me what to do. And immediately he came down with leprosy. And coming down with leprosy means you're unclean. And he was stripped of his kingdom. He lived in a house it said by the, for the rest of his days, never went to the temple again. This is the year of his death that this story starts. So for Isaiah, it's actually a really significant year. It's a very probably sad year. It's a very confusing, frustrating moment in Isaiah's life, Isaiah's journey. Because it was the year that this guy that spent 52 years serving God, running a kingdom, conquering the enemies, running things brilliantly, he died. It finished but his legacy was a distorted, sad picture. So the story continues. This is Isaiah saying, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Now, we don't know whether this was a vision or he was actually there. He doesn't say one way or the other. But the picture is pretty spectacular. He finds himself at the doorway, at the entrance to a throne, a throne room, a temple in which he sees the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne. This is the only time in the Bible that it refers to seraphim in this way. It mentions seraphim in a different context. But in this context of a, um, a heavenly being, Seraphim—they um, they kind of—they're not quite sure what a seraphim is. I've never seen one. I don't. Anyone can tell me what? No. Um, okay. So a seraphim is means um, burning one. It, did, did it shine like a cherubim? We don't know. It's called a, a seraphim, but we do know they had six wings. That—that that was something that he pointed out. The interesting thing is, of the six wings, four of them were. Wings of humility. Covering his eyes, covering his feet. Culturally, you know, when Jesus washed the feet, uh, their, their feet are the, the dirty part of you, they're the ones that trample in the dirt. So, so to hide your feet in the presence of God, to hide your face in the presence of God. So of the six wings, four of them were wings of humility, and two of them were wings of service. It's just an interesting picture, I think. And what were they doing? They were calling out to one another. They were calling out to one another. The room was full of, of this sound. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is a Hebrew way of being very definitive. Bold, 24 point. This is, this is the way you write. There is no confusion here. The Lord Almighty is set apart. He's holy. He is set apart beyond anything else. And the sound of their voices shook the temple and it was filled with smoke. He heard, he saw, he felt, and I'm guessing he smelt the smoke as well. His senses were just... Shocked by this environment. It's an amazing picture. It then goes on to say, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Kind of makes sense when you, when you look at that picture, when, when you look at what he described... How can you not look at your situation and go, whoa, this does, I don't belong here. This, I, this is not, this doesn't feel right. But then one of the seraphim flew to, flew to him with a coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Again, we don't know about this temple, but if the, the temple that God gave David as the model of what a temple looks like is anything similar, this um, altar would have been the incense altar that was, was outside of the Holy of Holies. And the seraphim took the coal. Again, did it burn his lips? Did it? We, we don't know. We don't know what that experience was like. But has anyone had uh, you know gone to the, the, the nurse and had a needle? Yeah? Good for you apparently. <laughs> yeah. What do you feel like as that needle's kind of getting a bit closer to your arm or wherever they choose to stick it? Feel fine? Yeah? I don't I don't feel fine. <laughs> this this I, I'm sure this situation of this burning coal being brought to Isaiah and touched on his lips wasn't the most comfortable, yeah, good word. Comfortable situations. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. What on earth was he thinking? You've just experienced an amazing invasion of all your senses. You've just had this this coal touched on your lips and you decide to interrupt a conversation between the three parts of God, it's pretty amazing. It's an amazing situation. The whole thing just blows me away. That the atonement, that, that, that coal actually took him to this place of, of hearing and responding to God. There's, there's four parts to this, this picture. And they're not, they're not a mistake because this picture is actually the commissioning of Isaiah. It's the point at which God says to Isaiah, as you saw there, you are on mission. You have a purpose. I have called you. I have anointed you. This is time to go. And there were four distinct parts to that picture. The first part was the experience, experiencing the holiness of God. The second part of the picture was recognizing his and his society's sinfulness. The third part of the picture was being purified, the guilt taken away, and the sin atoned for. And the fourth part of the picture is hearing God speak. Now, if you're going to be a prophet to a nation, seeing and understanding these four things is very important. But these four things actually reflect something that we know very well. I hope we know very well. And that is the gospel. It's a picture of the gospel. So we've got this picture of who God is, our separation from him, his salvation and communion with him, are all parts of the gospel that was proclaimed. And there is only one response Well, not only one, there's a number of responses, but there is a significant response to these four things. The response to these four things is change. And a word that we don't really talk about that much, repentance. It's not a really popular word in the church. And there's there's probably a number of reasons for that. Did you know the word repentance in the last 200 years, in literature has, has dropped to 10% of what it was used 200 years ago. So now, the word repentance is used 10 times less than it was 200 years ago. We don't particularly like the word repentance, and there's actually some good reason for that. There's, uh, there's the whole preaching fire and brimstone concept of, of, of dumping people with guilt and shame and judgment and condemnation and control. And so you go, well, that's not the gospel. That's not the message that we're trying to share here. So let's swing the pendulum the other way. Let's avoid talking about repentance and let's talk about grace and love. Let's just, let's avoid the topic because putting people into this position of control and condemnation and judgment, that's not what we're on about. But unfortunately, as a result, we're actually missing out on something really significant. If you look at um, Jesus' start of his ministry, he went out into the, into the desert and was tempted by Satan and, and uh, spent his 40 days out there and then he wandered around a touch and then it says in Matthew 4.17, from that time on, Jesus began to pre- preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's how he started his ministry. He says in Luke 5.31-32, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. After receiving the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, what did, what did Peter say to the people? Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38. So the concept of repentance is actually foundational, is actually fundamental to our walk with God. But if it's not those things, if it's not condemnation, then what is it? The Old Testament Hebrew word for repentance, and I'll have to trade notes with Michael because he knows a bit more about Hebrew than I do. Different um, Hebrew um, dictionaries re- use the word shuv or shub. And I don't know why they change that last letter, but they do. Um, and it means to turn back, to return. The New Testament Greek word is metanoia, to think differently afterwards, to change one's mind. So the idea of repentance is to turn, to change. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone repents and comes to the Lord, there's it says there's a party in heaven. It says they celebrate and we've, we've put this stigma on, on repentance and, and turned it into something that I'm not sure it really is. We, we create this idea of an arm wrestle with God. This idea that, that you know, we kind of know we're going to lose, but we'll fight anyway, we'll fight. I'll, you know, no, 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 I lost. Oh, okay, I'll say yes. It's not what repentance is. I see repentance much more like a dance. Now, anyone that knows me... <laughs> yeah, I know the people that know me. <laughs> know that dancing and me don't go together. They're, we're, we're polar opposites. Stuart accused me the other night of almost dancing while I was playing the bass. <laughs> But as much as, uh, as much as this illustration doesn't feel comfortable for me, it's right. When I was in year 10, in, in Karambara, the tradition was the girls did a debutante ball. That was what was very common. And my father told me before any girl asked me anything, he said, if a girl asks you to do the debutante ball, the answer is yes. I wasn't convinced. But he made it very clear, if a girl asks you to do a debutante ball, the answer is yes. Now, in hindsight, I understand that if a, if a girl who's 16 years old has plucks up the courage to ask someone to do that, then right from where I stand now, he's right. The answer is yes. At the time, I wasn't so sure. And I had the fear and inkling of a particular girl asking me. Sure enough, she plucked up the courage and asked me and very graciously said, take your time. You don't have to answer me now. And so there I am for, for what felt like years, but I, I think it was only days, but going on one hand, I, I know what's right. On the other hand, I know what I want to say. And there was that moment of turning, knowing where I wanted, I wanted to run 100 miles. But there was this moment of turning and going, it's right, this is the right thing to do. I'll say yes. And so in that picture was my first repentance, the turning to the right thing to do. And that's a little bit like us accepting Jesus. The dance begins. I then spent 12 weeks doing dancing classes. The whole group did dancing classes. And I learned a lot because, because dancing, if, if you think, I don't, does it, do I know how to waltz? I'm not going to waltz, don't worry. A couple of people. Yeah, they're like me. (laughs) Hand doesn't go up any higher than that. (laughs) Yeah, so a few people know how to waltz. This girl, Katrina, she knew how to waltz well. And here I am having no idea what I'm doing with a partner who is quite experienced at doing this stuff. And the guy is meant to lead in a waltz. The idea is that the way you move actually is led by one of the two parties. And so in this circumstance, she said, look, it's OK. I know the teacher has said for you to lead because that's the right thing to do, but I'll, I'll lead just to help you out because I can see your feet aren't going in the right spot. <laughs> and so over these 12 weeks, we learnt three dances and bits and pieces and I did the debutante ball. But my, my point is that in the dance, there's actually someone leading and there's someone following and it's a beautiful harmony of the two. And then I'd step on her foot and say, ah, like, oh, sorry. That, that, I know that wasn't part of the plan. That wasn't how it was meant to be. Let's keep going. Let's try again. And then I'd step the wrong way and it's like, oh, sorry. Yep. Went the wrong way. I could see you were leading me that way, but I could see I went the wrong way. Let's, let's try again. And when it comes to repentance, we have this picture of this God telling us, do this, do that, fix up your life. You're all going to hell, change. And yet really, it's a beautiful picture of a God who says, let's dance. Let's dance. Let's do this thing together. And so there's this, there's this sense that we, we can see repentance as a point of salvation we, can, we get that picture. But it actually goes on. And in, in Revelation, it talks about the church's repenting. It talks about someone in the church needing to repent and to change their way. And it's not this concept of you guys are all a disaster. It's a concept of I've got something better for you. And, and in Romans, Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it in it any longer? Let's do this dance. We've, we've turned from our old way. Let's dance together. And it's a beautiful picture. And, and this next verse is fascinating because it gets used a lot in church. 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Can you put your hand up? Not here. Can you put your hand up? if you've heard this verse before. Can you keep your hand up if you know what happened before this verse? I only discovered this about two weeks ago. And it is amazing because this verse, everyone goes, oh, wicked ways. Oh, heal the land. These guys must be in trouble. That's why God's saying this, isn't it? Do you know what just happened before this verse happened? They just opened up the temple and they'd had two weeks of celebration in King Solomon's brand new, down to the the minute detail, building the temple to God's plan. And they partied for two weeks about the fact that God had, had chosen this temple to be the place of gathering. Does that sound like a place of condemnation to you? Does that sound like a place of, of, of reprimand and shame and guilt? It was actually a place of celebration. It was the start of a new journey. It was a start of a new era. And so with that in mind, this verse is actually very different. He's saying, if my people who are called by my name, you guys, we've just started this new journey together. There's going to be hardship ahead. There's going to be things that are, going to, that are going to test this journey. There's going to be things that are going to challenge you. But if you humble yourselves, if you pray, if you seek my face, if you turn from your wicked ways, anything that's, that's stopping this dance from happening, I'll hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land the dance will go on. Now we know from Jesus that that we don't have to ask again and again for forgiveness. That's dealt with. But we do want the dance to continue. We do eagerly desire this this dance, this unity, this journey that, that God's got for us. And so it's actually not a picture of condemnation. It's a picture of hope. It's a picture of when we turn. He says, humble yourselves. Recognize who I am. See your need for me. Seek me. Recognize that I've given you the forgiveness. Listen to my voice. And the dance will go on. Repentance is something that I think, and I don't want to downplay repentance. It's very significant. And out of repentance is often sorrow that we turned. Sorrow and, and, and a brokenness of, of oh, I can't believe that you know, I choose to do it my way when God's way is so much better. So I'm not downplaying that repentance actually does some things that might make us uncomfortable. But that place is not a bad place to be. That place is a beautiful place to be. And if we want to grow, if we want to journey, if we want to dance this dance, then all these things lead to change, lead to repentance, lead to that idea of turning. God doesn't want perfection. He doesn't ask for perfection. But he does want us to seek. He does want us to humble ourselves. He does want us to recognise the gift he's given us. And he does want us to hear his voice. Now, there's going to be some of these things that you naturally resonate with. We each have in our own being just things that resonate for some people that salvation that gift is something that they go wow i want to respond to that that's that's where i'm at for other people they they hear a prompting from the holy spirit and they're like wow i'm i'm there, i'm there that's what that's what i you know drives me and and some people go wow the that picture of isaiah's heaven that's what i see that's what inspires me to turn and others go Wow, how broken are we? We are so desperate for God. That inspires me. Can I say, please be gracious with people? Because I think the reason that we've got repentance twisted is because if for me, salvation is the important thing and Ray's not getting it. He's got to understand salvation and he'll be an amazing man. And then Ross, you know, oh, if he only understands who God is, he'll be transformed. And we start dumping on other people our own experiences and our own journeys and saying, wow, if they only understood. And and there is a a sense of love in that, but there's also a misunderstanding of repentance in it too. As we journey together, as we stand in unity, these things are going to be different in different people's lives. And so Ross is going to inspire me by whatever, whatever's transforming his life. And Andy's going to inspire me by what's transforming his life. And, and there's going to be this dance that we do together. So I really want to encourage you this morning. It's not... It's I actually wrestled with this message since the middle of January. And... The reason I had to wrestle with it is because when God said, speak on repentance, I went, what? Why don't you give Mark the dud topic? (laughs) 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 That's true. That's true. But you see, I got it wrong. I thought I was going to get the message that everyone stoned me for. And God said, oh, hang on what message do you think I gave you to speak on? That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. And, and I actually had to turn first. I had to actually understand what repentance was and I had to repent from my understanding of repentance. How ironic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's right, it's God. But in me, it, it's that journey of going, repentance isn't condemnation. Repentance is a desire to see who God is, to understand his giftedness, His gifts to us, to hear his voice, to know my need for him and to turn and say, God, I humbly come. I seek your face. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, that's it. That's our role repentance is our role he does the rest so as we journey on this this year i'm excited i see a church embracing god's word i see a, a group of people pumped up this morning i kind of almost didn't need to give my message because Nathan had an amazing, amazing picture out while we were praying. Do you mind if I share it? Yeah. Hey? It was a picture of a flower. He was saying when he was a kid, he used to take a flower and when he was going to make a decision, he'd take a, a, um, a petal off the flower and say no, next one say yes, next one say no, next one say yes, next one say no. You get around to the last one and it would say yes or no, whatever it ended up with. And he said the picture was the frustration of going, wrong answer, I'm going to pick up another one. (laughs) But the important thing in the picture was, in Christ, it doesn't go that way. You pick the first one, yes. Second one, yes. Third one, yes. Fourth one, yes. And you continue around and guess what the last one's going to be? Yes. And that's the message this morning. The answer is yes, Lord. The answer is yes. It's a beautiful picture. Let's all stand. I know I haven't given you um, any warning of ministry time, but by now in the service, I think you probably are aware that Anything could happen. So I'm just going to pray and then we're just going to have a time of silence just to spend some time with the Lord just in your own quiet space. Repentance isn't a witch hunt. It's not a witch hunt. And if it's a dance, then the Lord's dancing. And it's just saying, Lord, what's what's the next step? Have I stepped out of line? Is Is there anything in me? Is there anything that you want to reveal to me? Is there one of these four things that I need to seek? I need to pursue. I need to increase my zeal for. I need to hunger after. Lord, is there anything and if there's nothing, you don't have to keep hunting and finding something. Just, just wait on the Lord. But if there is something, then I'd really encourage you to be humble. I'd really encourage you to pray. And I'd really encourage you to seek his face. And that might include coming and having someone pray with you. That might include walking across the room and grabbing someone and sharing with them. That might include needing to go and apologise or confess or to, I I don't know what the Lord's going to do. And that's not my job to do that. But I'd really encourage you to do those things. To humble yourselves, we all humble ourselves, to pray and to seek his face. Lord God, I thank you so much that you gave us that opportunity for repentance. Lord, you are so patient and gracious and merciful. When I look at that picture that Isaiah had of of an amazingly powerful God on a throne, sometimes, Lord, I admit it scares me. But Lord, you continually seek. You go after the one. You celebrate when we turn. And you just love to dance that dance with us. And Father, we just ask you by your spirit now, Lord, to come and to, to speak to your people. Lord, if there's anything, if there's anything in our hearts, if there's anything in our minds, Lord God, we eagerly desire, Lord, to know. We eagerly desire to repent. Lord, we want to walk your journey. We want to walk your truth. Lord, we just come to you. We just ask you, Lord, to lead us in the day.